if someone is aggrieved, they need to have an avenue and a forum independent of us. They need to be able to talk about their experience. They need to talk about their issue. Um, and it needs to be someone that is listening that is not someone that is making sporting decisions. These matters are complex. Um, a lot of sports um, haven't always had the capacity to deal with these things and particularly at this serious end of allegations. So this was the best way we thought we could support them and support athletes in sport. An independent system gives people, athletes in particular, confidence that the, their concerns will be heard without prejudice um, and it gives the public and sports confidence in the system. We're hoping it encourages people to come forward and share their stories um, and that it also means that things are dealt with fairly for both sides of the equation. We are getting there. We've seen so many issues in sport which are you know, terrible to hear about and as we've uncovered these and we see these come forward, we need to be keep getting better and better in this space. I think there's been some really strong steps forward in this, in this area with the, the independence that's been established. Welcome to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. Our mission is to protect the integrity of sport and the health and welfare of those who participate in Australian sport. Hello and welcome to a new series of the Sport Integrity Australia podcast Onside. I'm Tim Gable. With the Tokyo Summer Olympics and Paralympics completed, the focus now turns to next year's Winter Olympics and Paralympics in Beijing, along with the Men's Football World Cup. There's also the Birmingham Commonwealth Games next year, and for the first time, Sport Integrity Australia will have a staff member embedded in the Australian Commonwealth Games team to provide integrity support. In this episode of Onside, we'll be looking at the importance of independence in handling complaints, investigations and tribunals in Australian sport. Earlier this month, a number of Australian women soccer players spoke out about allegations of abuse in the sport. As a result, Football Australia approached Sport Integrity Australia and the National Sports Tribunal to investigate the allegations. We'll be speaking with the CEO of Football Australia, James Johnson, the Deputy CEO of Sport Integrity Australia, Emma Johnson, and the CEO of the Australian Athletes Alliance, Jacob Holmes. Well, as mentioned earlier, Football Australia approached Sport Integrity Australia after allegations of abuse emerged in Australian women's football. Sport Integrity Australia has agreed to handle the independent handling of complaints relating to abuse in football in Australia. James Johnson is the CEO of Football Australia. And James, welcome to Onside. Why did you approach Sport Integrity Australia in the first place and the National Sports Tribunal? Uh, look, I think... Because we, we, we do believe in independence um, around investigations uh, into complaint handling. Um, I think for us, what we've recognised is that areas such as bullying, harassment, intimidation and discrimination um, all require a greater level of independence uh, from national sport governing bodies. Um, and we felt with this case, this was something that... Uh, really need to be handled independent and it wasn't something that should be done in-house. Uh, do you think that uh, in the past there has been a propensity uh, for sporting organisations to investigate matters themselves rather than hand them over to somebody else? Yes, I, 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 I think so. And, and I think we need to be specific here. I think in areas like bullying, harassment, intimidation and discrimination, um, the, the, these, needed, these need to be treated differently to say 
um, sporting integrity issues that happen on the pitch, for example. Um, I think if we look at why they need to be treated differently and, and, and why, in my view, they should be dealt with independently of the sporting organisation, um, the first is that they're complex human issues, they're human interaction issues, they're sensitive. Um, these issues exist outside of the sport, but they exist inside of sport as well. So, you know, I question whether sports governing bodies are really set up to adequately deal with these complex human interaction matters. So that's the first issue. I think the second is um, we're dealing with these sensitive issues um, where sometimes a victim may not come forward because they're dealt with in-house. And the reason why I think perhaps the, the in-house systems are not working is because the victim might not feel comfortable pursuing a sensitive issue through a sporting body complaint process because it's the same body that's making sporting decisions that may impact the player, such as team selections, for example. Um, so I think there are two reasons. I think another one is that the current standard for sports governing bodies in this space and how they deal with these issues is also changing. I think we're seeing that the expectation of the community in countries like Australia, uh, United States, the UK is shifting. It's shifting and it's evolving. And I think we need to read the tea leaves and acknowledge that our community, um, certainly in, in our case, expects a greater level uh, of independence on these issues. And I think we need to respond accordingly. Uh, what was your reaction uh, when you first heard about these latest allegations? Look, we've been thinking about how we can evolve our uh, complaint handling processes uh, for a while now, uh, because complaint handling is, is is an area that needs to evolve and keep up with times. Uh, there was a sexual misconduct case a few weeks ago in the NS, uh, NWSL, which is the United States uh, Professional uh, Women's Soccer League. So at that time, I thought, right, this is a, a, a good moment to really drill down on our own complaint process. Uh, and I'd actually reached out to David Sharp uh, to have a general meeting and a catch up about how we could uh, improve our processes in case um, we had a similar situation. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it was only the next week when the specific allegations um, by some of our former players were made public. Um, it hit the sport like a tsunami and we had to respond quickly. And, and I think I was comforted at the time by the fact that we were already in touch with Sport Integrity Australia um, about uh, how we could improve this area. So we were able to actually enter a partnership very quickly. Yeah, so how important is it to you to, to have these allegations heard and dealt with independently by Sport Integrity Australia then? So one of our key objectives uh, as the national governing body for football is to pro provide players and participants um, with, with a safe environment uh, to, to, to play and to train in football. And I think in order to achieve that objective, uh, we do need to have processes and forums in which players can come forward with complaints that, that can be dealt with as well as provide uh, feedback so we can continually improve the environment that exists for our players. If you look at our current member protection policy and process, 
that is in place at the moment. Um, it, it, it does, by all accounts, meet the current standard for Australian sports. Many major sports have a very similar system uh, in place. Um, so, so I think though we need to think about whether or not it is actually working that that general standard, because the way it works is a player will come forward, um, or 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 they should if if they have a complaint, the complaint is then made to a uh, member protection officer who is an employee of the governing body. Um, it's usually an employee with, with legal training, but it's not actually reported up the line within the organisation because it's a confidential process. And if the officer believes it's a serious case, then the officer determines whether or not uh, a formal investigation should occur. Um, so it is done at the moment at arm's length of the CEO and the board. Um, however, I think the perception is for players, the perception is, is it's done um, by the same institution. And again, it's the same institution that's making sporting decisions. So I think the perception is, is really important. Um, so for me, there's the actual independence and there is the perceived independence. And I think again, in cases like harassment and bullying, um, we've, we've got to set up a, a process where it actually is independent, but it's also perceived that way um, by our players and our participants if we want them to come forward and incentivize them to come forward with their issues. Often, too, at a grassroots level, and you've got, say, a parent who's a coach, the first instance of you know, reporting comes to a parent, a coach, doesn't it? So I guess it, it's not just at the elite level that you've got to deal with this thing, you've, you've got to deal with it right through to, to a junior level. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And again, if we go back to what we're here to do, what are we trying to achieve? Well, one of our uh, key objectives has to be to create um, a safe environment. We have to create an environment where players, where parents, where volunteers um, feel, feel safe. And I think what we've seen in the past week um, is that there are players that haven't felt safe in the past um, and their allegations go back some 20 years. They're, they're not ones that happened yesterday. Um, and this was at a time when, when the players were a lot younger than, than what they are today. So, yes, it's, it's, it's important not just for the elite level, but also for the whole pyramid um, that we can have uh, an independent uh, structure in place. You mentioned there the, the perception in the past that athletes may have been reluctant to approach sports with complaints and allegations. That has totally changed now. Sports people, athletes feel empowered, don't they? And they, they've got confidence, you'd have to say, that something is going to be done. Yeah, I think I think, I think think that's right. Um, and what, what, what we need to do is, of course, provide uh, an avenue and, and, and a process. I think the partnership that we're creating with Sport and Tiger Australia will will do that. Um, but we also need to think about what's important for the, the, the victim in these cases. And of course, if there's a serious um, allegation that's brought through, there needs to be an, an investigation and then a sanction. But I think we've also got to provide um, our players and participants with a, a, a forum where there can be feedback that is independent of us as a governing body so we can continually improve the environment that they're in. So, so what are you hoping to achieve from this process? What outcome? There's really two objectives that I see. Uh, the first is about the victims. 
uh, if someone is aggrieved, they need to have an avenue in a forum independent of us. Um, I think that's the important, the, the first objective. They need to be able to talk about their experience. They need to talk about their issue. Um, and it needs to be someone that is listening that is not someone that is making sporting decisions. I think that's the first um, the, 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 the first objective so we can solve the issue for the victim themselves. I think the, sec the second objective is about enhancing and breathing confidence and transparency around some of these issues. Um, the individuals impacted our community and the public, I think, need to be confident that if there is something there, it's dealt with. And if there isn't something there, it's been duly investigated. Uh, I think it's it needs to be a land, uh, sorry, a line in the sand moment for the sport where we're all confident that any serious issues have been dealt with through this process. So I think two objectives, one, it's about solving the issues for the victims. And secondly, it's about breathing confidence um, back into the sport that if there are issues, they've been dealt with. And of course, I guess you've got to brace yourself for the possibility that not everybody is going to be satisfied with the outcome. Yeah, I think I think I think that's right. Uh, that is a possibility, um, but I think all we can do um, is 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 what's in our control. And again, if if there is an arm's length investigation where we're not involved, um, I think we certainly would have confidence in that system. Um, there are going to be people that perhaps uh, do not like that system, but I think for the the most part, I think people will be very satisfied because this is really a, a very progressive step, and it's one that. Um, I think sports have, have been uh, a little bit conservative of in, in the past, but we want to get ahead of the issue. And we do believe that this is um, a, a sort of direction that other sports will follow in the future. Yes, it is a, a moment in time, isn't it, for, for not just your sport, but for all sport worldwide. You can see there is a, almost a coming of age where sports realise they need to have processes in place, they need to have guidelines in place and protocols to ensure the safety of athletes in their sports. Yeah, I think, I think it is. And, you know, governance is uh, it's an it's always an evolving issue. If, if you sit on governance and don't move forward, you, you fall behind. I think in this case, we, we really need to be specific and nuanced. I mean, if we're talking about what we are talking about is bullying, is harassment, is intimidation, is discrimination. And certainly, in my view, these need to be handled independently of sporting organisations. Um, if we were to talk about um, uh, uh, bad business practices such as corruption or bribery or conflicts. Um, intuitively, these probably need to be dealt with independently as well. Um, but if we're talking about sporting-related misconduct such as bad tackles, then you know these are the sorts of issues that, that certainly, in my view, should remain with the sporting uh, governing body. But again, bullying, harassment, intimidation, discrimination. I think the future. Um, for sports organisations, certainly for ours, will be independent uh, uh, process and investigations. Is there much communication within sports, uh, between sports, so yourself and, and other national sporting organisations in Australia on this issue? Uh, the, the, there's definitely forums and, and, and it has come up from time to time, um, but I, 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 I think it's going to be a topic that is uh, more prevalent, um, I think, certainly after this this last week, because I think what we're going to see is that the issue that we are confronted with um, as the biggest participant sport in the country, I think other sports are going to be 
confronted pretty soon. So I think we'll be forced to be talking about this issue with other sports uh, in the near future. James, thanks very much for joining us on Onside. You're welcome. Thank you. That's James Johnson, CEO of Football Australia. You're listening to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. Also with us is the Deputy CEO of Sport Integrity Australia, Emma Johnson. And Emma, without being specific to Football Australia, given the process is yet to be finalised, can you tell us about Sport Integrity Australia's complaints handling model and what does it involve? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Tim. So our complaints handling model is an end-to-end process for receiving and managing complaints or concerned concerns all the way through to investigation if we need to and resolution. So we might not always be the end solution, but we're that place that people can come to and we'll guide people through the process to achieve that, achieve that outcome. Yes. It's relatively new, set up less than a year ago. Can you tell us how it came about? Yeah, for sure. So um, most of the listeners will be aware of the documentary last year that came out called Athlete A, which details systemic abuse in gymnastics. And that was really a watershed moment for sports around the world. And um, we got involved at the back of that. And um, we helped Gymnastics Australia by establishing a temporary process to manage complaints independently. So it was key that people could have their concerns heard and resolved outside of the places where they occurred. So after we did this process, we learned a lot through working with gymnastics and we realised there was the need for a permanent independent capability. Um, So we worked with sports to understand what that need would be. We worked with um, peak sporting bodies to develop the framework. And now we've been funded by government to deliver this for sport. Um, We've got a range of new capabilities and resources internally so that we can help sports and athletes um, by managing these matters. Um, Really what what this does is recognise that these matters are complex. Um, a lot of sports um, haven't always had the capacity to deal with these things, and particularly at the serious end of allegations. So this was the best way we thought we could support them and support athletes in sport. Yeah. Can you tell us um, the, the process? What happens when a, a complaint is lodged then? Yeah, sure. So, Tim, often it will depend on the on the mechanism by which a matter comes to us. But in general terms, the first thing we'll do is assess the matter. So we'll, we'll listen to the person, we'll sit down with them either virtually or, or or in real life if we can and try and understand what the issue is. Um, the first question for us is, does it fit within, within scope? So is it actually an integrity breach or is it something different that is outside of integrity? So if it is within our scope, the next question for us is, is it potentially a criminal matter? Does it need to go to a law enforcement agency? Um, if not, um, then we'll continue with our investigation and, and assessment um, to get to the best resolution that we can. So if we find that there's been a breach of a policy, um, we'll look at a resolution process um, or an outcome, which might be a, a suspension from sport um, or education or other methods. Um, and in, in some cases, matters might be dealt with by alternate dispute resolution. So in that case, we work with the National Sports Tribunal who can offer these things to sport. So there's a various different ways things will be handled, but essentially it starts with what's the issue is it within our scope and what's the best way to resolve it? And throughout that whole process, um, we'll be staying in contact with the parties regularly, um, providing support where we can, referrals to um, support mechanisms for people, because that's really important too. Emma, how important is it for complaints to be handled independently then? 
It's critical, Tim. Um, you know, many of the re reviews that have happened globally into these issues, um, systemic issues of abuse, including the recent Human Rights Commission review into gymnastics, have all called out the need for um, complaints, particularly those that related to relate to abuse, to be dealt with independently um, of the institutions in which it occurs. Um, so, you know, an independent system gives people, athletes in particular, confidence that the, their concerns will be heard without prejudice um, and it gives the public and sports confidence in the system. We're hoping it encourages people to come forward and share their stories um, and that it also means that things are dealt with fairly for both sides of the equation. So for people that come to us and people that might be respondents. Um, so it's really that that place where people can come that they don't have to they don't have to be concerned about the you know repercussions. We deal with things confidentially and, and independently. So was Sport Integrity Australia look into allegations or complaints at any level of Australian sport or is it just at the elite level? Um, so if a sport adopts the national integrity framework and the complaints mechanism that we've just talked about, then we would be dealing with, with integrity issues at all levels of sport. Um, and as long as it fit within prohibited conduct in a sport, then we want to know about it. Yes, you mentioned there the National Integrity Framework. Uh, a number of Australian sporting organisations are currently looking at adopting the framework. What is, what is the framework? Um, so the framework's at its most basic. It's a suite of six policies that um, we've developed over the last um, almost two years now to address integrity threats in sport. What it's really aimed at is to streamline policy framework and have consistency across all sports and at all levels of sport. Um, so... We're working with sports on, on their adoption of the framework. Um, the link to the National Integrity Framework is our ability to handle those complaints for sport independently. In many instances, it, it can take time before sports adopt the National Integrity Framework uh, because that they might need board approval. It, it does take time, doesn't it? Yeah, Tim, it does. And, and every sport that we're working with already has an existing framework for dealing with issues in their, in their own sport. So... It's going to take time um, setting up new procedures, making sure you've got education and resources to support the framework as well is really important. And that's the stuff we're working on with sports to, to get the framework in place. But absolutely, it's going to take time. Um, and we really want to do this in partnership with sport. Have you been happy with the take up of the National Integrity Framework by sports? Absolutely. We've been really happy with the level of engagement we've been having with sports about the framework. Um, that people are definitely interested in talking to us. Um, we've had we've had around I think seven sports now have adopted the framework, um, and the process you know it's complex and it's what's been really good is the is the engagement and learning from sports about their specific issues and challenges and how we might better work with them to address them. Do you get the impression there is a real appetite? Uh, sports across the board realise that they need to to have this framework in place. Um, given I guess that athletes feel as though they're empowered at the moment, they are empowered uh, to speak up about cases of abuse, allegations, complaints, etc. There needs to be a framework in place, doesn't there? Yeah, I think I think you're 100% right, Tim. We've seen in the last 12 months um, a real, I think, a shift and an awakening of, across sport that um, they need systems and processes in place to deal with issues like this and some of them even those that have had quite well developed systems and policies over time um and now are now coming to us and and working with us on what an independent um option might look like so there's definitely um an appetite across the board for for the sort of 
improvement where that needs to happen of, of um, integrity policies and culture within sport. Um, and I think it's a, a really exciting time. It's a really positive thing for sport in Australia. Emma, thanks very much for joining us on Onside today. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Well, so far we've heard from Sport Integrity Australia and Football Australia. Time now to speak with the peak body representing Australia's elite professional athletes. The Australian Athletes Alliance and Jacob Holmes is the CEO. And Jacob, firstly, how important is independence in handling complaints and investigating allegations of abuse? I mean, obviously it's it's of critical importance. I think when we're looking at this um, this area of sport, it's always extremely challenging. We have to as first and foremost, ensure that sport doesn't harm. Um, it's of utmost importance. And if that does occur, um, or is alleged to occur, we have to make sure that any investigations of, of that side of nature are taken extremely seriously and also done independently, um, obviously of the governing body of sport. And just to, from my perspective and from the athlete's perspective, is to give um, the confidence for the athletes that they, this is gonna be reviewed in an independent manner that is not bound by the restrictions of what is in the best interest or the personal interest of, or whatever it is, but actually in the best interest of sport. And in particular, the athlete who may be at the center or athletes at the center of this to ensure that they are supported and protected and uh, a process can be undertaken. So it's of vital importance um, when you're looking at this area um, and right at the top of the list for us as, as an athlete movement. Yes, you mentioned there a bit of brand protection from sporting organisations um, as opposed to sort of putting it out there for an independent complaints handling model and for an independent body to handle it. Yeah, like I think that's why it's so important. And when we looked at these and we've experienced it across time, we've seen historically issues where where things aren't addressed independently and, they, and there's issues arise from that. And from our perspective, obviously, we're, we're very biased towards the athlete and protecting them. But, but that is because often they're at the centre of this. And there's a there's an inherent power imbalance within sport um, for athletes. A lot of athletes, especially those without players associations or athlete bodies that represent them, that often means that it's extremely difficult to have uh, these issues raised in the first place. It's And we have to be better at that. And I think that's something we can probably come to. We have to be better at providing those um, you know, those support mechanisms of voice and, and a representation within the actual institutions of integrity of sport for athletes to actually feel empowered in that way. But, but when the, an athlete does have the, I guess, the ability um, the capacity in their own life to come forward in these areas, you, you have to treat them with absolute sensitivity and they have to be looked at separate to, to the sport to ensure that the sport is held accountable and, and, and anyone that's responsible is held accountable um, through the appropriate body. And that's where I think SIA has been important in that space is coming in as an independent body with authority and an investigative skill set to actually review these types of things. Now, we've still got work to go on on the athlete voice and the side of that, which we're trying, really trying to in, in promote and empower. But I think that's an important first step around independence. In, in terms of the independence factor, is this something you've been calling for for a while? Has this been on your radar for, for a long time? Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, I think it's something that's been on all uh, player associations' lips for a long time is the independence of, of sport and trying to, you know, mitigate or address the the imbalances I mentioned before around, with the athletes at times around this space. I mean, obviously, when you look at any situation, a coach and a, a young player or selection, there's so many different, you know, powers, um, plays going on there that, that when these issues arise, we need to make sure that they can be taken to an avenue that, they, first of all, the athlete has somewhere they can turn, which is a trusted resource to actually support them. 
and to provide an avenue for them to to seek support and to seek to have this issue addressed. And that's often where we're facing issue at the moment is trying to find an, a way that we can actually be around the athlete. And prevention is always better than than having to go back and, and do restorative justice processes. It's actually saying, can we prevent this by being on the ground and actually looking at these and providing a, a network around the athlete at the point in time where these things may be occurring or could be occurring or starting to emerge. But if they do occur, we've got to make sure that they're actually being moved on to a process um, that's independent, that's transparent, that has holds people accountable for the actions and, and then can go through a process of, of, as I said, restorative justice and working really centred around if there is a victim, that person being the, the primary focus of this. And it's not about the sport or external factors. It's actually like there's a victim here. Let's focus on them and what's the right situation for them and an independent review that can establish that and then verify that issue is important because then we can actually focus on that person or those people moving forward to ensure that they're actually protected and they're supported through it. And um, it's less about the sport. It's more about sport in general and, and the human being at the centre of it. You mentioned their protection for the future. I guess the, the national integrity framework is the model that has been put forward to sports that um, these are the systems, the protocols, et cetera, going forward. So that's vitally important as well as the independent complaints handling model as well, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And I think that's that's the point we're looking at is around how do we ensure that institution is is protecting uh, the people that play sport? Um, because that's what it's primarily there for, is protect those people that play sport and engage with, to protect them uh, in the situation where they, they may be vulnerable. And and that's why that athlete voice, that athlete support and representation is so important uh, as we go through this process and the institutions of the integrity of sport have to be able to handle that and have the confidence of the athletes that they can turn to uh, these bodies and have them adequately addressed because they, they have confidence it's going to be handled confidentially and appropriately. They'll be provided support and resources. And then at the end of the day, they'll actually, the people that are responsible will be held to account in an appropriate way and they'll have, have that recourse. So that's why it, this, this is such an important process. And we are getting there. We've seen so many issues in sport, um, which is, which is you know, terrible to hear about. And as we uncover these and we see these come forward, we need to be keep getting better and better in this space. I think there's been some really strong steps forward in this in this area with the, the independence that's been established. Are you finding that people, athletes, are complaining to you? They're saying, listen, we need to have allegations independently processed? Yeah, we have had that. Um, I think especially for those athletes that don't have an association or a, a protective or what you call player association body within their network, um, and even those that do, because what we're seeing is that um, there has been a, a real global movement in this space and, and the World Player Association has done great work in, in recently around a project care report around child abuse in particular. And you're seeing things emerge from that and the, the key findings around educating and empower athletes to know and realise their rights, to put support systems in place for the athletes, to have the voice represented through sport. Because at the end of the day, we have to protect those people from harm in sport. Sport should be fun and amazing and, and we know it can be and is for so many people. But when it's not, we should want to be preventative if we can. If we have to be a retrospective, we want to do that well and independent and ensure that we move forward in the process that has the confidence of those people like the athletes that they can actually turn to these bodies and say they're going to look at this independently. They're going to make sure that this is dealt with appropriately. And that's just of utmost importance to have the uh, integrity of sport protected. You mentioned there that some people come to you that they're playing in sports that don't have, uh, you know, the proper process or the proper in- integrity process in place. You represent Australia's elite professional athletes. Where's the cutoff in terms of professional and community level sports where we might have sports people playing at a level which is semi-professional, for instance? Where do you come in? 
Yeah, I mean, we really represent like our members, but we've also provided support to those that reach out to us through other avenues. There are other sports or, or players have, have left other sports that have reached out to us to, to see if we can help them. And and that's where I think, uh, you know, from our perspective, there's a big opportunity here as we move through this process and realise what's coming in through sport and, and what's actually emerging at the moment uh, of issues that have happened in the past, but also issues that are currently happening, is that, you know, can we embed that athlete voice within the integrity framework of, of sport and within the you know, institutions of, of integrity of sport. And I think that's where the AAA is playing a much broader role now than I think we ever imagined it would when it was first formed years ago, where it was looking after the professional player associations, those elite sports. It's actually now it's playing a broader role of looking after that and, and working together in that space, but also more broadly looking at, well, there's a role in this in this space um, for athlete bodies to ensure that they actually provide those support networks for players, that the athletes have somewhere they can turn that, is really, in a simple way, is on their side and has their best interests at heart, and and that's and, and actually can be trusted that like you can come to us and you can have a conversation and we can have it confidentially, but we're this there to support you and and then direct you potentially to the resources that are available and the avenues available to you to have a to, to redress an issue, and that would be an SIA or a, a national sports tribunal, etc. That's that's the process that we're looking at to ensure that you know a lot a lot of athletes don't have. You know, a player association. So what happens there? And ensuring that that as we move forward, they have a process and a and a, a way to address their complaints um, in a comfortable and confidential way. Another issue, of course, is the range of complaints. You, know, you might have bullying at a local team level, or you might have sexual abuse or abuse. Uh, you might have athletes being forced to train or play with injuries. It, th- th- there are a, a broad range of issues. At, at stake here and I, I guess part of the process is going to be to determine exactly where everybody fits and where the allegations go to. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's the thing. We have to ensure that the people that are reviewing that and and uh, are working through those issues that have been raised, as you said, they can be you know, wide and varied and, and they can be very confronting and they have to have a skill set to manage that. And that's important that they actually, when you're turning, you're dealing with these issues, it isn't... Um, appropriate to have someone that has, has no skill set in this space and isn't independent to deal with these because you'll end up with a, a less than ideal result, sometimes extremely detrimental result. So it's important that, that when these issues are raised, they're dealt with appropriately and with people that have a skill set to actually deal with them. And that's where I think this independence, the authority and the investigative skill set that has been established is actually a huge benefit to say, well, this is somewhere we can turn, we feel like it's going to be dealt with appropriately. And look, there's still, you know, water to go on that bridge and establishing this as it moves forward because they are quite new bodies that have been established. But that's the intention, I believe, is that we all want in sport, from our perspective, the athletes to feel supported, empowered, and that they can come to a confidential body. It might be the AAA as we move through this, an athlete voice. But then when there's an issue arising, it can be dealt with directly um, and can be you know, channeled through an appropriate body that's independent and that has these skill set to manage it appropriately. And also it can be binding on the sports and, and, and those bodies to ensure that they actually meet the recommendations which may come out of any, any review or any findings. Now, we've seen issues arise publicly in gymnastics, hockey, football, swimming in Australia. What outcome are you hoping for? Are you hoping that we have a a common consensus going forward? Look, I think we're all hoping for the fact that this, we prevent this from occurring. We're not looking at it back in, in retrospective. I think that's, that's difficult as a first point. I think, secondly, we're looking at ensuring that the process we put in place now 
is always going to have to evolve as times change and it's going to have to establish that. But I think if we if we embed from our perspective the athlete voice at the centre of that and embed the athlete representation support at the centre of that, it will always end up with a better outcome because you're putting the needs of the people at the middle of sport that are actually experiencing these things right at the centre to say, hey, hey, who are we trying to protect here? We're trying to protect the athletes and, and the people playing sport from any harm coming from the sport we we support and we we fund if you're the government. So let's do that. If we did that at the starting point, well, what do you need around that athlete? You need them to be supported. You need them to feel like they've got a voice. You need them to feel like they're comfortable and can address issues as they arise on the spot and they're not having to wait 20 years later to come up with, to have the confidence personally or to be able to address that. You can actually do it in the point of time to then address it. And the system can then attack to address that through you know its, its right avenues to ensure that we move um, in a space that allows the athlete to feel like, if oh, I've got an issue, I know where to turn, I know where that may go, and I know what will happen, and I feel comfortable with that and confident I trust that process that my sport or my and my collective you know, integrity bodies are looking after me and have my best interests at heart. And that's where we're heading, and that's super important. And I think given all the issues we're seeing and the ones you've mentioned, that's why we're, that's why we're here, and that's why we're all talking about it as such a critical issue in sport in Australia at this point, and globally. But if we just look to Australia, that's why we, as a, as a AAA, as the Australian Athletes Alliance are saying, this is a, a, a massive issue for us to, to support the athletes' well-being and, and, their, and their human rights. As you said, some things aren't as simple as it's abuse. It's actually human rights violations of, of how they're being treated, and we make sure we address them appropriately with, you know, with the best skill set we can. Just finally, do you feel as though athletes have had a, enough say in this? Do you feel as though athletes and their voice has been heard? Look, I think it's definitely, um, is it, we always want more. I think we're, you know, we're an athlete association. We always want the athlete voice to be embedded. And as I said, you know, probably, you know, getting tired of me saying, I think it's it, that, that institutional network of, of athlete bodies um, and the AAA represents a, a large group of professional athletes and elite athletes across Australia. Um, for us, there's always an opportunity to actually embed that within these structures to say, hey, do you know what? We need to embed an avenue for athletes to actually have support and representation through that and if they're not part of a player association to move through this moving forward so i think that'd be a huge step uh over the coming period of time is actually establish that as part of this independent piece is actually the independent support of the athlete at the center of it to then work through these structures of, of sia and, and having that authority to do that so i think that's where we'd like to go and I think there's a great opportunity here and I think the conversations we're having right now I think precipitate that type of, of movement uh, progressing forward because we've, we've just seen what's happened when we don't have that. When we don't have that at the heart of sport, the protection and safety and safeguarding, we have issues arising because they're just that inherent power balance. So trying to change that, you have to give power to those that don't have it and that's, uh, that's really important as we move through this. All right, Jacob, thanks very much for joining us and uh, thanks very much for joining us on side. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. And now for our segment from Left Field, where we answer a question from the public. Hey, everyone. Today's question is, can I bet on my own sport? Well, this depends on your sport's rules. However, most sports do prohibit betting on the sport you play in. Usually, those playing at an elite level aren't allowed to bet on their own sport. However, this depends on your sport's rules, so we do recommend you check in with your national sporting organisation before you bet. Thanks for listening to Onside. We'll have a new episode next month. And a reminder, if you'd like further information about Sport Integrity Australia and what we do, you can find Sport Integrity Matters on our website. See you soon. 
You've been listening to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. Send in your podcast questions or suggestions to media at sportintegrity.gov.au. For more information on Sport Integrity Australia, please visit our website, www.sportintegrity.gov.au, or check out our Clean Sport app.